You would never swallow tea without testing it. <laughs> That's the real thing experience teaches you, isn't it? How not to get burned. Do you think people ever learn that? Not the best people. He, um, Adam taught me a lot, but it was all the same. He never surprised me. You know, almost no one stepped up and voted with us because it was right. They always asked for a Lulu. Lulu? I, yeah, it's New York for artificial sweeteners. <laughs> anyway, we'd win, and then we'd be gutted in the Senate. We'd settle for their version, and then the White House would veto, which we knew from the start. Then what? We'd celebrate our great moral victory. We forced a veto. And welcome to the main event. Open up with that clip from the movie uh, Primary Colors, which basically is uh, the reenactment of the the first Bill Clinton election. And uh, and I did that because he talks about how they would put a, a bill into Congress, they would go to Senate, and uh, they would change it a little bit, and they'd settle for it, and then they would uh, send it to the president, who'd veto it, which they knew that was going to happen. But they they celebrate their moral victory by forcing the veto. And I think that's just what we went through. They knew they knew the Senate was going to patch, uh, pass the impeachment, and they knew absolutely there's no way they're taking him out of out of office. But they needed to put that on to, hey, we impeach the president. And then of course they said, hey, you know what? If you're if you're uh, if you didn't have any witnesses for the trial in the Senate, then it then it didn't happen. It's it's meaningless. Yeah, but that's kind of what you guys did in the House too, isn't it? You guys didn't uh, allow any Republican witnesses, no cross-examination. You would uh, veto any questions that they would want to ask they, that they wouldn't do. Uh, it's all meaningless. It's all meaningless. It's all, it's all just BS. And uh, there I want to bring some clarity to those of you that, that uh, maybe don't see it the way I do. Also, uh, that song was Brooks and Dunn, Only in America. You know, hey... One kid might end up being in prison and one might be the president for uh, what we need to be telling our young people. You can do anything you want to do, but it takes work. 
It takes work. Just because you're American, you don't get this. You have opportunity to get it. It's how hard you work for it. That's my uh, my little soapbox for this week's show. And uh, I'm going to get to what we have because we got lots of stuff to talk about today. But first, let me introduce myself. My name is Ed Hoffman with Summit Funding. If you're interested in getting involved in any of the fantastic opportunities at real estate that are real estate and you need financing, call me toll free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. One last time, day or night, toll free, area code 855-640-2020. If you want to get some information but you don't want to talk on the phone because it's just so personal. Uh, go to edhoffman.net, scroll down just a little tiny bit till you see the Summit Funding logo and click on it, take you to my lending page. You can fill in as much information as you want to give me. Tell me how much information you want back. You'll hear back from either myself or one of my talented teammates, Eric Marquez, Cody Bradbury, Aaron Fredericks, or Brian Goodman. And we will help you find the missing pieces to your real estate financing puzzle. Whether you want to buy a new piece of property or you want to refinance something you already own or for you seniors want to get information on that that new thing everybody's talking about, that reverse mortgage. Uh, that is that is the, you know, and I've talked to people this week, uh, this past week that really don't need it. You know, it's not a question of, well, I can afford my house payment. I can do this, but the flexibility that it offers in the uh, in your in your uh, twilight years, it's it's unbelievable. If you haven't if you haven't called to uh, to inquire, call me 855-640-2020 or put the message on at hoffman.net. Uh, if you want to hear this show repeated at hoffman.net, click on the podcast page. You can hear this show as well as several past shows, or you can also get the podcast on SoundCloud or iTunes where you can subscribe for free, have it download to your podcast device, uh, and listen to it on demand whenever it's convenient for you. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at Ed Hoffman, where I tweet about current events all week long, some weeks more than others. And, uh, the Facebook page for the, for the main event is facebook.com slash the main event at Hoffman. Uh, so anyway, uh, I think that's all I need to do. Hey, in the studio this week, I have Aja Smith. Aja Smith is, is, uh, been on our show before a couple of years ago, um, as she ran for, uh, uh, the Republic for the congressional seat in 41st district, which is Marino Valley, Paris, Mead Valley, Riverside, and par- parts of Riverside and Harupa. Does it go any other one? Bloomington? No. No, not Bloomington. Not okay. Bloomington. Okay, so that's uh, so that covers all this area of Riverside. In the if you're local to me, then it doesn't go to Corona. That's Calvert. Yes. All right. Again. Okay. So, Aja, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me on, and it's a great day. It's a beautiful day, and thank you so much. And uh, you know, you might remember remember Aja from uh, her first run for uh, Congress back to to beat Mark Takano in 2020, which re- who re- represents the 41st district for about eight years now. Eight years. And uh, that's Marina Valley. I already said that. And uh, she, and Aja needs our support. And uh, I've known I've known you for twenty years. Yes, at least at least at least you were about fifteen when you when you and your grandma a little came. bit younger, but about at least twenty years. All right. Yes. Okay. So, uh, but some of the forty first district people uh, are hearing you for the first time. Tell everybody your story and what you stand for. Well, thank you so much, and I want to say everyone we have to get out and vote march 3rd because that is the primary so we can go on to the general election and win back riverside county in the 41st congressional district my name is aja smith i am a united states air force veteran spent 14 years total in military and also civil service here at march air reserve base and it's a beautiful base and one of the key issues that i've noticed when i was before i decided to run against mark takano that he was an unresponsive congressional representative we had a great representative ken calvert who 
helped our needs and, and supported the military. But as soon as Mark Takano came in, he did not care about any of our issues, especially with national defense and military. And as you see, he's still an unresponsive um, congressional member. He just sits there and waits for Nancy Pelosi to give him marching orders. And that's what he does all day. And he hides behind his desk in D.C. and his office. I come from a big family of military members. My grandfather served in three wars. He retired chief master sergeant in the Air Force. My grandmother served in the Korean War. My great uncle was a Tuskegee Airman. And my grandfather on my parental side, he was a United States um, Navy veteran as well. And, uh, and of course, we know about Mark Ticano. Um Meanwhile, your, your opponent, the incumbent, self-proclaimed proud Gaijin, Mark Ticano. I am Congressman Mark Ticano from the great state of California. And I'm the first openly gay person of color to be elected to the United States Congress. As a proud Gaijin, I support Hillary Clinton because she is a strong champion for LGBT rights. She will fight to end uh, employment discrimination against LGBT Americans. Yeah, which, uh, as we've found over the last eight years, that uh, Takano only cares about things that have to do with LGBTs. He's uh, getting drag queens out there uh, reading books to kids. Correct. It's uh, this guy's disgusting, and he is he is not responsive. You'll he'll get a he'll get an occasional photo op uh, with some veterans or some, some to act like he's connected to our district, but he's not. Um, but he does have a real, real connection to a Ukraine scandal that nobody's talking about. No, nobody's talking about it. And when I ran the first time, I tried to help everybody understand his connection with the Awan brothers. And we can, I can redo those um, postings again on my, on my Facebook and my Twitter. If you're following me at Aja Smith for congress.com, you can look me up on Facebook and Twitter as well. And this time around, he has a connection with the Ukraine scandal. And it was really interesting. It was a lot of deep diving. And me and my team, we had to really make sure we had every connect the dots and documents where we found out that, you know, Mark Takano is one of those quiet congressmen. He's not like an Adam Schiff and the Maxine Waters. So that's one thing where he can get by with to doing a lot of dirty work behind the scenes in Washington, D.C., he and Adam Schiff sent their staffers to the Ukraine back in August um, 2019 on August 26th. And I had those documents, too. And I wrote an article about it and the press enterprise won't publish it. So anybody listening out there, I have the press enterprise publish my article. And it was a group that met with accuser um, Ambassador Bill Taylor. And one week after the meeting, Taylor sends a text to the president's EU ambassador, Gordon Sondland, falsely claiming a quick pro quo. Now, it's interesting that Mark Takano praises Hillary Clinton because what we found out, the trip to the Ukraine for Adam Schiff's Intelligence Committee and Takano's Deputy Chief of Staff and eight other congressional staffers was paid by an organization called the Atlantic Council, which has ties to the Clinton Foundation and CrowdStrike. And it was the same cybersecurity firm that the DNC hired to investigate the alleged hack of emails from the DNC and the Clinton campaign manager, John Podesta. So we we have a big connection here where Mark Takano sends the staffers and they they do a lot of things that seem out the norm for a congressman that's supposed to be low key. But why would he send his chief of staff, Yuri Bleckham, that's in Washington, D.C., to go to the Ukraine? And right when they go there, all of a sudden we have this 
strange whistleblower saying that there was a quick pro quo with the president. So, um, there's a lot, there's a lot more to it in your, in your article. Yes. Um, it goes into a lot of detail. And apparently, apparently, uh, they planned this trip in July, in July, bef- the week before the, uh, the actual phone call Correct. to, uh, to the Ukraine president Correct. occurred. So what do you think that was going on there? I think it was a trip uh, to cover up the corruption by Joe Biden's son, Hunter, Hunter Biden. And it was it to cover up the Ukraine election interference to help Hillary Clinton. And was it to prepare for the whistleblower? And the people need to know. They need to ask these questions. I know when I explain a lot of these things to people and uh, and I tell people, yes, I am pro-life, I am pro-Second Amendment, I am pro-Constitution, I care about the homeless. We can play ch- um, checkers all day, but it's hard to play chess and getting into the background and what's really going on in Takano's office and who is he sending, who is he connected to. And those are the nitty gritties that people need to really focus on as well besides the, a lot of the things that I do support the military. I want to bring more military funding to our district, make sure March Air Reserve Base uh, stays open and provide jobs and create uh, different programs such as expanding on the opportunity zones. But we have a congressman here who's aligned himself with Adam Schiff, but nobody's talking about it. When I was watching the impeachment hearings on the House and the Senate, I kept tweeting, I kept saying, please, let's bring in these um, staffers to become witnesses. Why did they go to the Ukraine? What was their role in the Ukraine? And all of a sudden, a week later, here's the president being accused of quit pro quo. So we have a congressman who stays quiet. He just sits there and takes photo ops and says, well, I'm doing something now, but he's sending his staff as little uh, minions to go to Ukraine and to work aside with Adam Schiff and his staff. And all of a sudden, Boom, we have this huge impeachment trial, which, like you said earlier, Ed, that nobody could cross-examine or bring in Republican witnesses to say this did not happen. So what so what he's doing is what he's doing is is he's he's being a behind the scenes. So when they say, Hey Schiff, Schiff, did you go to Ukraine? I never went to Ukraine. I don't know any of these people. He's trying to play innocent, but what exactly. he has is he has these these uh staffers of his own and of uh of Mark DeCano's and a few other uh, Congress people going in and getting information and then they're they're coordinating they're coordinating this behind the scenes to put it all together kind of like what they did to get Papadopoulos where they had some some lady from somewhere flirt with Papadopoulos in a bar and drop some information on him that was completely untrue and then they put some other guy in uh somewhere else where they said something else and then they put him with a Australian diplomat and he and they start asking him about stuff and he he repeats some stuff he heard after a couple of drinks and the lines get blurred and next thing you know he said something to a foreign diplomat correct and, and that's how and that's how they got him and that was all completely coordinated so you think you think and it common sense would tell you this was all this was all coordinated coordinated to create and uh, create a uh, uh, a trap Correct. For impeachment. It's entrapment. And look what just happened to Roger Stone just recently. You might spend nine years in prison, but then you have a lot of the leftovers in the in Obama administration. They're getting slaps on the wrist and not getting indicted. And also people need to know, did the group of staffers talk to Bill Taylor about the so-called whistleblower on August 26th before the whistleblower claimed subpoena that the acting spy chief to hand over the urgent whistleblower complaint? And it, it goes into a lot of detail what was written. It is it's 
it lays it out is it's like a big puzzle but it clearly needs to be known that mark Takano and his staff have been doing a lot of dirty behind the scenes work that we don't need that in our district we don't need it in washington dc they're wasted taxpayers money with this whole entire impeachment where we can be passing bills to make our district and the rest of the nation be prosperous and safe exactly so uh I think I think uh, what Trump is doing to try and drain the swamp. And I saw some I saw somebody uh, post on Facebook that that Trump's the one that brought the swamp to Washington D.C. I don't think so. Trump wasn't connected with anything political. No. And all of a sudden, all these people here are, are going crazy because he's going to expose them of all the all the all the back backroom uh, politics that are going on, all these deals. And, uh, and we could talk about that. We could talk about that uh, probably for two hours today. Um, but let's, let's get on to, uh, we've had you on before and we talked about voter corruption in California, which seems to be worse every election. Uh, now the Democrats and state assembly are trying to pass a law, Assembly Bill 2070, that would, that would literally force everyone in California to vote. Hmm. hmm. Could, this, could this be an effort to get more low information voters to poll so they can cast their ballots for Democrats? I think so. And to me, I don't think even Russia makes it mandatory. And we're moving further and for, further to a tolerant type of government. There's nothing in the Constitution that says you have to vote is make it mandatory. That's part of our freedoms. If you don't want to vote, you don't want to vote. Yes, we will love for you to come out and vote. And I would love for you to come out and vote. But I'm not going to make a law or a constitutional amendment on a federal level that makes it mandatory. And that's the problem. And that's where people need to really start paying attention what goes on in Sacramento. Because what as California goes, the rest of the nation follows. And I am a true believer in that. I have a friend in New York who's a Republican. He said, you know, you people in California passed a, um, all these bills. Now it's coming here in New York. And I have other friends that moved to different states. And they said, oh, my God, we thought we can get away from all the California crazy policies. But they're coming to different states. So I tell people, stay, stand and fight for what is right, especially here in California. I tell people, please do get out to vote, but I will never say I'm going to make a law to make it mandatory to vote because that is our constitutional freedom, whether to vote or not. Well, I think if uh, if they want to do that, that's fine. But no early voting, no mail in votes Every and everybody who wants to vote. You go uh, you go down, you vote in person, you dip your finger in the ink like they do in Iraq. Yes. And that ink doesn't come off for like 10 days. And. So you can't vote a second time and you can't vote illegally and, you know, you can't get dead people to the polls. No. So, you know, and besides, you know, if they do, they're not going to be able to, sign, uh, you know, push the buttons because they'll just be laying there. We need to clean up our voter rolls. I, it's a lot of a lot of times I know I think it was Judicial Watch. They, they came down and they saw in L.A. and different um, areas, except for Riverside County. I wish they would come to Riverside County and make them clean up their voter rolls. And that's the problem. We need to hold these electors accountable because if we don't clean it up, if we don't stand still stay stand and fight we're going to keep going down the tubes and that's why i tell people get out to vote especially in primary elections because we have a lot of bills we have many people running for different offices and it's called top two it is no longer a closed primary i've talked to people who did not even know that we had a top two jungle primary then they said yeah we were trying to figure out why we have 
to to Democrats or maybe even to Republicans on the ballot. And I tell them because it is a open primary and the top two that goes on to the general election. And that's basically because most people don't have any clue what they're voting for. And I've uh, and I've suggested out there a million times that, hey, if you're going to vote for the propositions, you have to go to a town hall. You have to attend a town hall where where we discuss it or take some kind of a class or do something that you have to attend something that you have some, uh, some common sense about what you're voting for and not just vote for stuff that you got uh, postcards in the mail or you saw a TV commercial and actually, Hey, you attend a, a one hour or two hour uh, meeting that can be anywhere that people can hold and where you discuss the, the pros and cons of both. Cause people won't read those, that thing they get in the mail. It's Correct. too confusing. It's written by lawyers and, and well, it's just, it's too many people. Oh, wait, we have a uh, a top two. We have an open primary. What's that mean? Exactly. But it sounds okay to me. I don't know. So then they vote for it. Right. Same way we 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 uh, we 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 ended up with a no vote on on getting rid of the gas tax. Yes. And I asked someone I knew. I said, Hey, did you? He's talking. We're talking about uh, going to a to a consumption tax instead of instead of having the IRS. Let's just get rid of the IRS. Everybody has a consumption tax. You get your whole you get your whole. Uh, you get your whole check, and then every time you vote, every time you go buy something, you pay 10% or 12% or 15%, whatever it is, and everybody pays. Even the guy who's begging for begging for uh, uh, for a homeless, hungry, please help on the freeway off-ramps, they're raking in two, $300 a day. That's like $80,000 a year tax-free. Tax-free. So that way everybody pays. Nobody has to pay 50%, and nobody pays zero either. And uh, he goes, yeah, but... That'll just uh, give them an opportunity to add more add more taxes. And I said, well, how'd you vote on, on Proposition 6? He goes, no. I go, why? I got rid of the gas tax. He goes, oh, because I read it and I just didn't think it was, I didn't think it was good. I said, well, did you read the part where it said that uh, part of Proposition 6 says the state can't raise taxes without a vote of the people? And he just got quiet. Yeah, exactly. So people, people don't, it's, people have no idea what they're voting for. So let's, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about presidential politics. If you want to put your, uh, put your, uh, common sense in on this, you're, you're an African, African American Republican woman, uh, running for Congress. Here's Joe Biden this week in South Carolina, pandering to black voters. Uh, I would say that's what Joe Biden does best, but he's terrible at it. Uh, let me play this clip and get your thoughts. Up till now, we haven't heard from the most committed constituency of the Democratic Party, the African-American community. I want you all to think of a number. 99.9%. That's the percentage of African-American voters who have not yet had a chance to vote in America. One more number. 99.8. That's the percent of Latino voters who haven't had a chance to vote. So when you hear all these pundits and experts, uh, cable TV talkers talk about the race, uh, tell them it ain't over, man. We're just getting started. Our votes count, too. Your thoughts? Joe Biden just needs to go home. Nobody likes him, regardless of what race or gender or religion you are. Nobody likes Crazy Uncle Joe, period. Apparently the white people in uh, Iowa and uh, in New Hampshire have rejected him. So now he has to rely on the black people. And, and as a black person, how does that make you feel? I, I think it's, I think first of all, and I tell people, even amongst my African-American friends who are Democrat, look what President Trump's done for the 
for the black community and Hispanic and Latino. We have the lowest unemployment rate in history. And that speaks a lot. President Trump has met with so many people with opportunity zones, um, different programs to really get us back on track for Joe Biden to come out after serving eight years under the first black president who will not even endorse him speaks words. Absolutely. And I tell people there's Joe Biden. As I've listened to him and his campaign trail, he said some racist remarks saying, you know, little black kids rubbing his legs feel like cockroaches. And and I said, are you serious? And you're really going to vote for Joe Biden? And let's look at his history. Donald Trump may not be the perfect politically correct person, but I followed Donald Trump since I was in high school because I said, wow, this guy is a, a great real estate man. He 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 he's a straight talker. He he walks to walk and talks it. He puts his money where his mouth is. But with Joe Biden, who's a career politician who hasn't done anything, he says he can fix the country, but he's been in what government for about 30 years now, or a least, little bit at least. at least 30 years. So he's trying to pull the Hillary Clinton, oh I have hot sauce in my purse. To me, don't do that. That that's literally pandering. And I take that as a insult because you know so what are you trying to prove you have hot sauce in your purse but joe biden he needs to go home he just needs to hang it up the iowa and new hampshire caucus proved that joe you just need to go relax go buy you at a vineyard i don't care go go on vacation sail around the world and just hang it up your own you were the vice president for eight years and the former president, Barack Obama, is not even out there supporting you. So that speaks louder. I think he's run for president like four times and has never won a primary. Never run a primary. And to me, it, it you know, the Iowa caucus, I kind of laughed at it. And I said, wow, these people want to control our health care, but they can't even count votes. Exactly. So, so right there, it shows you that the Democratic Party, they're, they, they're going to be scrambling. It's going to be worse, I think, in when Hillary Clinton ran and with the broker convention, Trump's going to kill him. I don't think he'll, I don't think he'll get it. Um, I don't think he'll get the nomination anyway. I think he'll be out after South Carolina. Yes. So anyway, Aja, we're out of time for, uh, for this week. Um, what's the website or that, uh, they can get you. My website is Aja, A-J-A Smith, S-M-I-T-H four F-O-R congress.com. Perfect. So go on, go on there, make some donations for Aja. Um, we'll have, get out we'll, to vote. We'll have you back on after the after the primary, after uh, yes. you're in the top two. Yes. And uh, we'll get there. And uh, I'm all out of time for this uh, half of the main event. Uh, stay tuned for five minutes of uh, weather, traffic, sports, and commercials, and we'll be right back with, with more. Thank you. Welcome back to part two of the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman. With Summit Funding, I don't talk a lot about uh, real estate or finance on the radio because it just doesn't interest a lot of you guys. But when you uh, when it when it comes time to uh, to look into re- real estate financing, refinance, purchase, or reverse mortgage, remember the guy who you, who thinks like you. Call me toll-free at 855-640-2020. That's 855-640-2020. Or go to edhoffman.net, click on the Summit Funding logo, and uh, 
fill out the stuff that you want that you want to give me and tell me how much information you want back. Hey, so uh, we interviewed uh, Aja Smith, who's running for the 41st Congressional District in the first half. Um, I'm going to put up her article on uh, edhoffman.net as well, so you can read the whole the whole timeline about uh, Mark Ticano and his his involvement uh, with the Ukraine. And uh, for those of you that live in the 41st District, educate yourself and say, hey, is this a guy I want to that I want to keep? As my congressman, I will tell you when uh, we went to the inauguration, they were very unresponsive to get us tickets, and I had to, uh, you know, do what I do and, you know, uh, push my weight around. So anyway, let's let's talk about what's going on in this country. Um, the New Hampshire primary was Tuesday. Before we talk about the Democrats, look at the let's look at how President Donald Trump did. He won the Republican primary, of course, because the two guys that are. Uh, that are running against him, uh, nobody even knows who they are. Um, but he actually beat the last three incumbent presidents, getting 86% of the vote. In 1996, Bill Clinton, for running for his re-election, got 84% of the vote. In 2004, George W. Bush got 80% of the vote. And in 2012, Barack Hussein Obama got 82%. And they all won re-election, when, uh, which means, uh, you know what that means... All really Donald Trump has to say when he gets to uh, the debates against whoever his uh, opponent's going to be is just follow uh, what Reagan said uh, in 1980. And actually, he was talking about Jimmy Carter when he said this. Are you better off than you were four years ago? Is it easier for you to go and buy things in the stores than it was four years ago? Is there more or less unemployment in the country than there was four years ago? Is America as respected throughout the world as it was? Do you feel that our security is as safe, that we're as strong as we were four years ago? And if you answer all of those questions, yes, why then I think your choice is very obvious as to who you'll vote for. And at that time, at that time, he's running to beat Jimmy, Jimmy Carter. And Jimmy Carter basically did uh, what Democrats do and, and started our country down a, uh, the spiral around the toilet bowl. And uh, and Reagan brought that up. Trump can go in there and say, "Hey, are you better off than you were four years ago? Are you uh, are is unemployment higher or lower? Is this happening? Is that happening?" He can go on and go through those things and say, "And you say, why? What is the what is the point of getting rid of Trump? He's doing a great job. You know what is it? Even the Democrats who don't like him because he's personally kind of politically incorrect. What is it that what is it that about your life?" That is worse because of Trump. And I think, uh, you know, hey, vote based on what's best for your life and what's best for your kids' lives and what's best for your grandkids' lives and what's going to preserve this this, uh, greatest country in the world to be around after we're gone. So here's how it works in New Hampshire. Uh, There's 24 pledged delegates that are at stake. Eight delegates are allotted based on the statewide vote. Eight are allotted in each of the two state congressional districts. And the candidates must receive, let's see, oh, eight in each congressional district plus eight to the statewide. Con- candidates must receive at least 15, 15% of the vote statewide or in a congressional district to receive delegates. And the results of the Democrats were, obviously, Bernie Sanders had the most votes, so he got those eight. And I'm not really quite sure how uh, how he got the statewide votes and still ended up neck and neck with with uh, Pete Buttigieg. So uh, Bernie got nine. Pete Buttigieg got nine. Amy Klobuchar got six. 
Elizabeth Warren, uh, she got uh, what's left? Uh, nine and nine is eighteen plus six, twenty-four. Oh, Elizabeth Warren got zero, and uh, former Vice President Joe Biden, the one who can has the best chance of beating Trump, he got zero as well. So apparently, uh, apparently Joe Biden, uh, the black people don't like you, and the white people don't like you either. So, uh, and of course, if you listen to to uh, Hillary Clinton, nobody likes Bernie Sanders, but they sure did vote for him. Bernie Sanders has completely turned his campaign around. And some of it is thanks to his uh, newfound enemies at MSNBC. As Biden and Warren sink lower and lower, they're, they're eating Bernie alive to help rescue their, their establishment candidates. But it's backfiring on them big time. The reason I went for Bernie is um, because of MSNBC. The stop Bernie cynicism that I heard from a number of people. I watch MSNBC constantly. So I heard that from a number of commentators. And so that just, it made me angry enough. I said, okay, Bernie's got my vote. Yeah, so people actually watch MSNBC constantly. I mean, we have, we have Fox News going on in our house all the time. And, uh, you know, we switch back and forth when we're actually sitting in front and watching. And we'll switch back. Sometimes we'll go, let's see how CNN says Caesar. Let's see how MSNBC's talking about it and see the difference. And uh, sometimes we'll watch for a little bit. But people actually leave that thing on all the time. I thought that was only at the airports. So uh, Bernie's grateful to New Hampshire, and he seems to think his streak will continue in the next two states. Let me take this opportunity to thank the people of New Hampshire for a great victory tonight. No matter who wins, and we certainly hope it's going to be us, we are going to unite together and defeat the most dangerous president in the modern history of this country. This victory here is the beginning of the end for Donald Trump. With, with victories behind us, popular vote in Iowa and the victory here tonight, we're going to Nevada, we're going to South Carolina, we're going to win those states as well. So wealthy and powerful will start paying their fair share of taxes. We will make public colleges and universities tuition-free and cancel all student debt. Yeah, I don't really think that's going to be a, uh, a, uh, a, game, a game changer and uh, it's going to get rid of Donald Trump. I think, uh, you know, he's the most dangerous president in the history of the United States. Dangerous to who? Dangerous to the swamp? So these people... Uh, aren't going to be able to continue to dip into the uh, the tax fund and spend it on their lives as they see fit, give it to their friends, uh, spend money uh, uncontrollably, and uh, they're gonna and it's gonna be the end of irresponsibility. You know, they take all our they take our tax money and and just spend it any way they want, and then uh, we, then they come back for more. Hey, we need to have another proposition to increase the funds for schools. Wait a minute, schools need more money. I thought what happened to the lotto money? Uh, what happened to the last 16 bills that were supposed to give more money to schools? How come none of that happens to solve any problems at schools? People need to wake up to what's going on. So uh, speaking of the next state, Biden ditched all the New Hampshire uh, vo volunteers who worked for him, his campaign for over a year. That was a really classy thing to do. And uh, he headed straight to South Carolina to start pandering to black voters there. We just heard from the first two of 50 states. Two of them. Not all the nation. Not half the nation, not a quarter of the nation, not 10%, two, two. Now where I come from, that's the opening bell. Yeah, but if you have any chance of competing with the other team 
uh, you're uh, competing with, you'd think you'd score some points in the first few minutes. You'd think. Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's just me. I would I would just think, hey, you know what? Uh, Mike Tyson used to say, hey, you have all your strategy plan, and that all goes out the window as soon as you get the per- first punch in the face. And I would imagine the guys play in the Super Bowl, and they feel that same that same uh, butterflies in the stomach, jitters. And then as soon as they they go up and hit a guy the first time, you know, the first opening, and then you then your adrenaline's pumping and everything's going. And uh, after two primaries, you'd think somebody would have some love for uh, Joe Biden. I don't know. Apparently, uh, apparently not very many people. So maybe that doesn't sound quite like one of those uh, classic stunts Biden pulls with black voters, but his TV his TV ad in South Carolina sure does. We don't feel no ways tired. We've come too far from where we started. Nobody told me the road would be easy, and I don't believe he brought me this far to stop now. Yeah, where have we heard that before? I don't feel no ways tired. I come too far from where I started from. No. Yeah, uh, you know what? Um, how did that work out for Hillary? Uh, not too good, uh, as I remember it, because uh, she's not in the White House. And uh, you know what? What I don't understand is all the pandering going on. All the pandering. You know, be who you are. Just be who you are. And if you're and if you're a good person and you and you support black people and you support Latinos and you support gay people and you support white people, you support people in business. You you could just be yourself. And you don't have to you don't have to apologize for anything. None of that stuff. Uh, Elizabeth Warren is counting on Nevada to be her big comeback. In the meantime, she's keeping her campaign alive by shaking down broke college students. Young woman came up by herself and she said, uh, I'm a broke college student with a lot of student loan debt. And she said, I checked and I have six dollars in the bank. So I just gave three dollars to keep you in this fight. That's what we got to do. We got to stay in this fight with people who are counting on us. Yeah, if I was a candidate and a broke college student came to me and said that, I would have pulled out a $20 bill or a $50 bill or a $100 bill out of my wallet and handed it to her and just try to say, hey, between you and me, and just try to give it to her discreetly so everybody doesn't come up and do the same thing. But, uh, or I would have told one of my, hey, go give that lady a couple of 20s. And uh, to one of my assistants. But Warren doesn't care. You know what? She'll take $3 from a starving college student because uh, she really doesn't care about anybody. And for the second week in a row, third place candidate is acting like she's the winner. Uh, this week, that would be Amy Klobuchar. I don't have that big bank account. I don't have that big name of some of the other people uh, that are in this race. And I am not a newcomer with no political record. But what I do is get things done. Then they predicted that we wouldn't make it through the summer. We did. Then they predicted we wouldn't make it to the debates. And man, were we at the debate in New Hampshire. What we've been is steady, we've been strong, and we've never quit. I think that sounds pretty good for a president. Yeah, she gets things done and she doesn't quit. You know what I can't understand is people are talking about talking about how Trump doesn't get anything. He's not getting anything done. Well, he got rid of regulations that got 
big corporations to to expand. He got rid of uh, corporate tax. He got corporate taxes from 35% down to 21%, which encouraged corp- people that own corporations to say, hey, we actually don't have to give all our money to the to the government anymore, so we can actually we can actually justify putting uh, putting out our funds to expand our business. And uh, and he's uh, he's beefed up our our uh, military. He's done all kinds of stuff. He's actually keeping his promises, which is something we've never seen from presidents in the past. Um, I don't understand that. And as far as Amy Klobuchar goes. I don't know if any of you have noticed this, but to me, she doesn't even look comfortable in her own skin. You know, when Trump gets out there, you see him. He's he's I mean, even from the beginning, he never looked like he was he was nervous at all. He's he's saying what's on his mind. He's talking from his heart. And if you're talking from your heart, you don't get nervous about saying the wrong thing. And of course, he said some things that that people don't like him for because he says he says what's on his mind. He doesn't sugarcoat anything, which maybe is a. has been uh, one of my strengths is uh, I've done that in business all the time. I say, hey, tell you what's on my mind. This is what I think. If you come in and talk about your uh, real estate financing, I say, hey, this is how I see it. This is what I think. And this is, you know, based on my experience. And uh, and I think one of the one of the powerful, the powerful uh, uh, traits that needs to be that we need to see in presidential candidates is have they raised kids into adulthood? In uh, 2016, we were talking about uh, uh, Marco Rubio, and I like Marco Rubio, but his oldest kid at the time was like 13. And I said, you know what? There's a difference. And I saw this because I had a former partner, and he was uh, like five years older than me, and his kids were like 12 or 13, the oldest one was, and where my kids were 30. And my youngest was 30 at the time. And I said, you know what the difference between how he, he he treats people and how I treat people is his kids are still young. I have raised kids into adulthood and got them through that beginning part of adulthood where they're kind of trying to find their way, uh, how they pay their bills and how they do this and how they be responsible humans. And I've got them past that. And you learn a lot in raising kids. You learn a lot. And it's not just, wow, I got my kids into junior high school. Wow, I got them into high school. Now we're going through through dating and I'm trying to keep them under control there. And now we're getting them into, hey, they're out of high school now. What do I do now? Uh, do I go to school? Do I get a job? Uh, which way is up? What am I going to do with my life? And then they go off on their own and they lose their job. What do I do now? Find another one. Okay, what do you do now? And, you know, we told our kids uh, when they moved out, hey, if you can afford to... Uh, pay for an apartment, then you can afford to pay for school. And if you don't have the money for school, then get student loans. And if you graduate, we'll pay them off. But if you don't graduate, it's all yours because we thought they were foolish by moving out. But the rules are the rules. And if you don't follow the rules, you don't get to stay home. So they didn't want to, they didn't want to follow some of those rules. Like you can't have sex in our house until you're married. So, uh, they weren't, they were, uh, you know, they were typical teenagers at 19. They both moved out. And, uh, and of course they're both doing very well now, but raising those kids to, uh, into adulthood teaches you a lot. You get a lot of wisdom seeing, seeing, uh, seeing what they're going through with the, the knowledge of what you went through and all that stuff. I think that's uh, and I don't know how old Klobuchar's kids are, but I think they're little and uh, part of why she's not comfortable in her own skin trying to run for president. Kind of why I don't think uh, we're going to see uh, Pete Buttigieg go much farther either. 
And uh, I think probably Bernie Sanders is going to win all the delegates, and then they're going to give it to uh, Mike Bloomberg anyway. And that's going to be the implosion of the Democrat Party. And, uh, and of course, Mike Bloomberg's out there apologizing. You know, hey, stop and frisk. Got a thousand illegal guns off the streets. But he's he's uh, apologizing to the black people because it wasn't it wasn't fair because we were targeting the black neighborhoods. Hey, you know what? Illegal guns in black neighborhoods kill more blacks than they kill whites. So from that standpoint, you should be proud of what you did. And he's he's apologizing for it. You know what? If you're if you're not comfortable with your own skin, if you have to apologize for something you did, something's wrong. Something's wrong. So anyway, let's talk about uh, the other big story going on this week, uh, the, the Roger Stone sentence. Uh, this week, we've heard, we've heard over the past three years, President, uh, we've heard about this one for the past three years. President did what presidents do all the time, but Democrats call it a, a crime. Trump friend, political consultant Roger Stone uh, is about to be sentenced, and the, and the prosecutors um, had, had suggested they want nine years in prison, in federal prison. Um, you might remember Stone was indicted on seven bogus counts last year in the Robert Mueller witch hunt, and he was arrested in a pre-dawn FBI raid on his Florida home, uh, which has now, which he's now lost, uh, with CNN cameras coincidentally rolling right across the street before the sun came up. This was a very sec- super secret FBI bust. They came in blazing with guns and and all that stuff because he's such a dangerous uh, dangerous uh, person, and but CNN knew about it. They knew about it. Roger Stone didn't know about it. None of his lawyers knew about it, but CNN did. They had the the cameras rolling. Uh, Now federal prosecutors want this 71-year-old man who cares for his deaf wife to die in prison for the crime of lying about when WikiLeaks had Hillary's emails. Well, they had him in August. Oh, no, they had him in June. You lied. You know, this is some pretty serious stuff, man. Uh, imagine if he was smoking weed while he was, while he was, uh, getting WikiLeaks stuff. President Trump, not surprisingly, spoke out on Twitter. So he tweeted, this is horrible and very unfair situation. The real crimes were on the other side as nothing happens to them. Cannot allow this miscarriage of justice, which to me says, hey, do whatever you want to him. I'm going to pardon him. But, uh, by Wednesday... The Justice Department overruled the sentencing recommendation and four prosecutors on the case subsequently resigned in protest uh, to that decision. I would have said, bye. Smell that? Smells like someone died. Bye. Anyway, that's a a Tombstone reference if you uh, haven't seen the movie Tombstone. Uh, Where have you been? That's like the best uh, Western in the history of, uh, of movies. Anyway, then we started hearing that members of the jury were, were big-time Democrat, Democrat activists. Hmm. If you've ever sat on a jury, or if you ever watched any uh, uh, trial movies, you know that they pick the, they pick the uh, of course, except for A Few Good Men, because that was military trial. Um, they pick the members of the jury... Uh, they talk to them and find out if they're, if they're, uh, if they're biased. And I always say, Hey, you know what? If they got arrested, they must be guilty. So I get off of them. They don't ever want me on there, but, um, but they want to make sure that you're not involved with people that are involved, that you don't have a bias. You don't have a, a, a conflict of interest to make sure that you can be unbiased and listen to the evidence and make a decision. Um, so we start hearing that the, that some of the juries were big-time uh, Democrat activists. The four-person has tweets calling Trump a member of the KKK. So I'm sure he was chosen fairly 
maybe not. Um, Attorney General William Barr says the decision to undo the sentencing recommendation had nothing to do with the president's influence, and the president backed him up on that. I want to thank the Justice Department for seeing this this horrible thing. And I didn't speak to him, by the way, just so you understand. They saw the horribleness of a nine-year sentence for doing nothing. You have murderers and drug addicts. They don't get nine years. They got uh, uh, Comey that lied, and then he, uh, he uh, leaked stuff out. Con, uh, conf, confidential information. He leaked it to his friend who leaked it to the newspaper. He admitted it. Trump uh, or Biden admitted doing a quid pro quo to extort money uh, from our government to the Ukraine into Burisma and back into his pocket through his son. Uh, they did all that stuff. But this guy lied about the exact date that WikiLeaks had had Hillary's emails. And he's going to go away for nine years. Also realize that Roger Stone has no criminal record at all. So it's pretty, uh, pretty ridiculous. But de- Democrats, of course, aren't listening. They want more impeachment, more investigation, more heads on platters. We should all be calling for the attorney general to resign. And if that guy won't resign, then the House should start impeachment. And Barr ought to be ashamed and embarrassed and resign. I ask my fellow Americans, what is more swampy? What is more fetid? What is more stinking? than the most powerful person in the country, literally changing the rules to benefit a crony guilty of breaking the law. Attorney General Barr spoke out on ABC News Thursday to say everyone, and he includes the president in that, needs to shut up and let him do his job. To have public statements and tweets made about the department, uh, about uh, our people in the department, our, our men and women here, about cases pending in the department, and about judges before whom we have cases, uh, make it impossible uh, for me to do my job. And I'm not going to be bullied or influenced by anybody. And I said at the time, whether it's Congress, newspaper, editorial boards, or the president, I'm going to do what I think is right. I cannot do my job here at the department uh, with a constant background commentary that, that undercuts me. I think Bill Barr is a good man, folks. He's a good man. Hey, I'm all out of time for this uh, episode of the main event. Tune in next week. I'll have uh, I'll have Agnes Gibney, who's running for the 31st district, on with me, and uh, and she's uh, running running for you people in San Bernardino, Rialto, uh, Fontana, Rancho Cucamonga. Anyway, thanks for listening to the main event. My name is Ed Hoffman, and I'll be back again with you next week. The opinions expressed do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Summit Funding Incorporated. Ed Hoffman, NMLS ID number 1-8-4-1-7-8-2. Summit Funding Incorporated, NMLS ID number 3199. Arizona license number 0925837. Equal housing opportunity.